Okay, guys, a quick trigger warning for this week's episode. Um, the first movie we talk about, Tenement, has a pretty graphic rape scene that we try to hurry on past that scene when we talk about it, uh, but it is, it's it's rough. Uh, so if you don't care to uh, listen to that, uh, you're going to want to um, either fast forward to about the 31 minute mark uh, of this week's episode after we get into talking about Tenement, or if you'd like, we will see you next week. Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's going good. Um, I went to the comic book store today, and I picked up a shit ton of ridiculous comics that I'm excited to tell you. Fuck yeah, what, uh, what, did, you, what did you come home with? So, I picked up Steven Universe number 30 by a uh, friend of the show, Sarah Gailey. Aw, yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to get that to that one. I also picked up a comic called Rolled and Told, which is all Dungeons and Dragons 5e modules, but also comic book strips in between to explain, like... So it's like a, this is how a, you as a DM can run this scenario we created. And here's maps, and here's stats, and here's what'll happen when you roll the dice and this will happen. But then in between those are comic book illustrations to just draw what the people were thinking about their adventures holy shit so we've we've really thrown ourselves i think into tabletop gaming in, in the last month or so because we had the uh, the bonus episode with, where you ran a fucking hysterical two-hour uh, game of mothership thank um, you uh shit gets worse because if you recall <laughs> from last week a man's penis was ripped off and he bled to death it certainly was which, and, um, spoiler alert, uh, to my players, you can't murder a man in a mansion, and it, literally I'm doing a locked room mystery, and you can't <laughs> add on top of that another body and not, and just be like, I don't know where that guy See, <laughs> this is, came from. I, I feel like, uh, a dick getting ripped off in game, it makes me think of, um, you, I, I don't know if you remember this, um, in, I, I think, like, early college, we were playing with, uh, our friend CJ, and she was running a game, and, uh, what was it you who, uh, they were like, alright, so, uh, it was like, you know, a very standard sort of, you are in a party with a paladin, and a, and a rogue, and you're just sort of doing whatever, and was it you or somebody else who was, uh, it was like, alright, uh, what do you do? Ah, whatever, I jerk off. Okay, roll for it, I guess? And they rolled a nat 20, and <laughs> CJ just looked so tired, and she was just like, you know what? You kill somebody in the next county. There was a sonic boom. You jerked off so successfully that people died. I I don't recall doing that, but that sounds about right. I do remember that CJ invited me not to come back because <laughs> I kept insisting that we not leave the tavern and uh, me carousing and uh, hooking up with all the winches. Oh, and obviously. I kept rolling really good scores, <laughs> so she couldn't say I was not allowed to do it anymore. And right. I was insistent on saying, no, that was an 18. You have to let me play it. <laughs> by, so, by the rules of this world, I successfully flirted with a girl. That means it's canon, and that that's half happening. Um, just give me, just give me this one win, DM. Come on, please. <laughs> Come on, I need a win. Just let me have this. Let me have this one thing. Um, so anyway, CJ is a, is a saint for having run it. Um, what ghoul shit have you been uh, into this week? So I've also been reading Marvel Essentials. Um, have you ever seen a Marvel Essential volume? I don't believe I have. They are old Marvel comics uh, in paperback that are roughly the size of a New York or an L.A. County phone book in the 90s. Oh, wow. It's like a, like a mason brick. Yeah, it's it's a doorstop. It's mm-hmm. bigger than Infinite Jest, usually. <laughs> so they're just cheap reprints of old Marvel comics. And I have Marvel Horror Volume 1, which is the entire run of Son of Satan, Because in the 70s, Marvel Comics was like, we need the actual son of Christian Satan as a superhero. (laughs) He rides around a flaming chariot pulled by hell horses. He has a magic um, trident, and he has a pentagram carved in his chest. That's incredible. So wait, hell horses. Do... 
what do they look like? Is it like, do, do they just look like sort of Clydesdales on fire? Or do they look They're like... Clydesdales with flaming manes. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, and, and son of Satan, Damien Hellstrom, because of course. <laughs> Just does odd jobs in the Marvel Universe, like Ghost Rider is having a problem and Son of Satan is in the periphery going, oh, I'll help you get there. You know and what, then thanks, you know and he rides off in the sunset. Or he literally, in one of these issues collected in this giant trade paperback, mm-hmm. um, does an exorcism on a college campus because the only person at the college campus that believes the building is haunted is the dean of the psychology department. And she's like, <laughs> you know, look, the budget is tight. Can you help us out with this? I've got to make sure that all these classes run and I can't lose. See, I was, I was convinced that this was about to sound like a, a, a concerned Christian chain letter about like, well, you know, only uh, the son of actual ass Satan was able to step onto the college campus because God's not invited there these days. Like it was going to be a sort of like, yeah, I, I honestly, the son of Satan thing, it sounds like he is, uh, he's got a famous father and he doesn't really do much and he's just been coasting on having a famous dad. Yeah, pretty much. And in and, and the other um, part of the book, which I haven't gotten to yet, mm-hmm. his sister, the daughter of Satan, is in it. So um, how, many, how many kids does Satan have? Quite a few. Also, in the Marvel Universe, there's multiple devil figures. Because there's actual Christian Satan uh-huh. and actual Christian Hell. There's also Marvel Universe Hell, which is run by Mephisto. And then there is Nordic Thor Hell, which is H-E-L, who's run by Hela. Ah, and then, And there is an arc in modern comics where, because of typos, Mephisto, Satan, and Hela have to fight over space because they can't decide who actually has dominion over the literal hell. Oh, wow. So they couldn't figure out who, like, reserved the room that day? Yeah, so, like, basically they they compromise and Mephisto sublets H-E-L hell to Hela. Wow. So, but cr- also they get uh, they get out of having a lot of superheroes dead when they're like, "Look, you guys can just sneak out the back door while we're arguing over this." So, like a lot of the Thor characters that were dead are like, mm-hmm. "I'm alive now because of clerical errors." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's a very Constantine thing to me, like sort of hell bureaucracy ending in like, ah, Jesus, we can't actually legally by the laws of apparently hell with two L's, we can't actually do anything. So you're telling me that actual Christian hell is, con- like, canonically exists in the Marvel Universe. Yes, because actual Christian Satan has a son <laughs> who is a superhero, and is also part of superhero teams. So, he's not evil? No, because he's, like, he he's the rebellious son who's like, I hate my dad, so oh, I'm gonna use right. what he gave me to fuck up demons. See, that's just, yeah, this is his teenage rebellion. It's just like, whatever, I'm not going to get into some Satan shit. It's just him listening to, like, Stephen Curtis Chapman and the Newsboys, just and listening to it very, very softly in his bedroom. But what's the most buck wild about this entire comic is that it was approved by the Comics Code Authority, which was until, you know, the early 2000s, the governing body to make sure that there was, you know, tasteful wholesome comic book content in all comic books. You know, like a guy with a pentagram carved into his chest. Exactly, like a guy with a pentagram carved into his chest. That is that is just outstanding. I'm so happy that Son of Satan is just a literal Marvel superhero. Yeah, and um, I also got uh, the number one issue of Skate Man in the dollar bin. Skate uh, Man? Thanks to friend of the show, Kyle, who said, Oh, look, there's five copies of Skate Man. Let me buy you one. <laughs> is his thing... He is, a, he is a roller skating vigilante who cusses and hates cops. Oh, fuck. Are you... That... That's what I want to be when I grow up. It was put out by independent comic publisher um, PC... Letter P, Letter C Comics, mm. whose, logo, whose slogan is, For the New Era in Comics, this single issue of comics, uh, Skate Man number one, bankrupted the company. 
this because... isn't your, this isn't your dad's comic book company. They are now closed. Yeah. So apparently, um, Kyle, a uh, friend of the show, was telling me that back in the eighties, um, you were allowed just like any other newsstand unsold copies were returned to the publisher for a refund. Right. And the the publisher literally got two pallets of unsold copies of Skate Man back, <laughs> and it ruined them. I gotta tell you, in my mind's eye, Skate Man just looks like Bartman. <laughs> like, that's just, like, he actually kind of does. He, he wears blue <laughs> jean shorts, a red t-shirt, and he has a yellow bandana tied over his nose with eye holes see this is amazing because it sounds like something that like your grandpa would come up with as like a super like whatever he's skate man he he hates the police and he's a little shit and he wears roller skates and it's just that but real so what ghoulishness have you been up to ryan oh boy so i uh, i just got back from dublin uh ireland uh, a little bit ago which for you know, for not world... Dublin, Maine. Not not Dublin, Missouri. Um, it was uh, it was fucking great. Uh, and I had a great moment of um. So I was there for WorldCon because you know WorldCon, and uh, in the cab on the way there, I, I I asked our cab driver who was just like the the kindliest old Irish guy you'd ever want to meet, and I asked like, hey, so if I go if I'm at a pub and I drink actual Guinness at a pub. Am I going to look like a fucking asshole, like a, like an American tourist? Because like, you go to Nashville. If somebody's actually wearing a cowboy hat, that's a tourist. Oh, um, let me tell you, I have some opinions about Nashville tourism. Yeah, and so of course, Ryan, I was, have yeah. you been in Nashville since the pedal taverns have become a thing? Sure, haven't. I I, I don't think I've been back to Nashville since twenty sixteen. There's a godforsaken street legal. Have you ever seen a pedal tavern? Oh, fuck. One of those things where it's some Yahoo peddling the thing around and it's people... It's like eight people sitting at a bar on a, a large omnibus bicycle frame and they drink and all pedal while the person who, you know, owns it drives it down an actual city street in Nashville. In hope... Nashville traffic. I, I in don't, roundabouts. I, I don't understand this on a few levels, but also, when I drink, I'm not trying to be fucking motivated. Like, I don't want to power anything with my legs. Drinking is, like, why why can't people just leave a thing alone and have that be a nice thing that we do without being like, I, <laughs> I, I need to do this on a Bowflex. Like, just fuck, drink. Just drink without needing to contribute to something. That is... That is upsetting. But yeah, so so um, Dublin was great. Uh, and the, the guy in the, the cab, he sort of chuckled and then was like, everybody drinks Guinness here. And then he says to me, in a deeply Irish uh, brogue that I will not try to replicate, it's like cream. And he sounded so <laughs> serious in that moment that I was like, yeah, yes, it's, fuck, it's like cream, apparently. Um, so that was great. Um, and then I got back and promptly binged season two of Mindhunter. Um that show is very, 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 very good, and I love it. Um, I have you have you seen any Mindhunter? No, I need to because I know it's like it meets all of my true crime criteria. Oh, it truly but does. But I still just have been watching reruns reruns of Unsolved Mysteries instead. <laughs> the two the two genders. You know what it is? Uh, the thing that <laughs> the thing that I love about Mindhunter is two things. Um, it has so much fucking respect for the victims and. Like, it's a David Fincher joint, and it, I, I hate that I had to rethink my knee-jerk dislike of David Fincher, because I used to be like, like, ah, fuck David Fincher, because I knew so many people who loved that guy, and I, I hate it, you know, and, and it was, um, my dislike of him was sort of based on sort of, you know, me being just ordinary. Like, I, I some, you know how sometimes you just decide, fuck this one particular thing, and then you feel like you need to maintain that opinion? Yeah. Um, and then David Fincher, like, it's just, it's so good, and I think... Uh, I love shows that are just people talking in little rooms. Do you know what I mean? Like, at no point uh, on Mindhunter do you see anybody getting murdered. You never actually... Like, you see some pretty, like, grisly sort of, like, crime scene photos during points, but they don't, like, linger over it. It's not splashy. Um, th this show is not interested in the, like, hey, you kids won't see a dead body. Like, it's, it's like, you know, we want to see the emotional toll that this takes on people who are tasked with creating... Uh, psychological profiles and 
honestly, the casting department deserves a fucking Emmy. They found, um, so for season two, uh, David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, and, uh, Charles Manson is in the mix, and also, um, Wayne Williams, who is the, the guy who apparently killed people in uh, Atlanta. If you look at the actors versus the actual, uh, people, IRLs, dead fucking ringers, and it's incredible, and... Uh, I think my favorite thing about Mindhunter Season 2 is serial killers being petty bitches about one another. <laughs> because, you know, you sort of get uh, Edmund Kemper, who, the, the actor who plays him is uh, phenomenal. Um, you get a bit about him, you know, talking about Charles Manson, and he's got such disdain for Charles Manson because Charles Manson never actually killed anyone. And so, you know, he's sort of being uh, pissy because he's in the you know, sort of the same prison as Manson. And he's like, yeah, you, if Charlie takes a shit around here, everybody knows about it. Even if he didn't take the shit himself and he had someone else do it for him. And <laughs> it's, I, I, I love this thing of like all of them being like sniping at each other. Like, all I can picture is like uh, Will Osprey, like shitty wrestler on Twitter thing where they're all like, uh, retweeting each other's logos and being like, hmm, why does that look familiar, thinky guy emoji? Um, and they're all just fucking like, oh, you know, like I was doing this before it was cool. Anyway, um, so Mindhunter is extremely good, and I consumed it in like a few days. Wonderful. Yeah. So let's talk about Patreon for a second. Yeah. Um, September, uh, a, a paltry $2 a month gets you uh, show notes with all of the visual gags that I try to make Ryan uh, laugh during recording by peppering in ridiculous pictures. You fucking succeeded um, this week, by the way. <laughs> it, was, it was extremely good. Fucking ton of it. Um, yeah, and you get, so all of our weird little notes, you get access to um, shit. What else? Uh, for $5 a month, uh, we have some audio content that we are working on uploading. Um, part two of the mothership campaign that I am running with uh, my friends Larry, Kyle, and Andrew. Uh, once we play that, that will be posted uh, on the um, for pay feed. Um, interviews with my son, who has serious opinions about which is the scariest Pokemon, <laughs> are forthcoming. Um, Your son is son... honestly the star of this show. We're just supporting actors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and just other stuff. Um, and for twenty five dollars a month, we will send you a care package every quarter, which contains original artwork, um, DVDs, stickers, and just whatnot and what have you. All manner um, of horror swag. September first is going to be the cutoff for our quarter three package for the twenty five dollar a month patrons. So I believe the account drafts. Uh, everyone's account on September 1st so you have a couple weeks to sign up if you still want to get a package this quarter otherwise you have to wait till the last three months of 2019 hell yeah and uh, and once again for for um, those of you who have put money in the jar it is enormously appreciated we we love doing the show and it uh, that that your money will help us get like better equipment and uh, also weird horror swag to send to you. Uh, it's it's enormously appreciated, and we love you guys. Thank you so much. Um, no, I, we can't break that. I was going to say we should scoop what's coming down the pipeline, but I think we just need to post it when we get it. Oh, yep, good call. Um, so let's talk about a movie that uh, we received a screener of, uh, <sighs> Tenement, Game Holy of shit. Survival. Uh, this is a... Blu-ray that we got from Media Blasters and their imprint Shrink Show. Um, this is an actual rated X for violence movie. It's a lot. So this is in uh, a genre that I think of as sort of poor exploitation, um, where where basically I uh, so if I if if I could describe uh, Tenement uh, in uh, a sentence, it would be uh, Last Apartment on the Left. Basically, yes. it is where, what if creepy ethnic street gangs uh, held an apartment hostage? Yeah, it's kind of like Assault on Precinct 13, only somehow bloodier than the movie that had an actual kid just getting capped in the head. 
Yeah, um, it's wild. This is also directed by Roberta Finlay. Are you familiar with her career? I am not familiar with Roberta Finlay. Well, fortunately, Klon Waldrip did a power profile on her and her husband. Oh, wow. Uh, most of their careers were directing pornography. And then Roberta Finlay was like, I'm done with porn, and started directing horror movies. Yeah, and this movie, uh, it it is fucking bloody. So, um, it, so for, right out of the gate... Uh, there's a rap theme at the top of this movie. Is this rap theme better than the Maniac Cop 2 rap theme? That's a great question. I, I want to say yes because of just the sheer amount of, like, Yamaha DX7 drum machine in it, where it's just like... And, and just them saying, Tenement, gonna get killed in the Tenement. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're very into the Tenement, and they're also like... Uh, you know, you can take shelter, but you're never safe from the Helter Skelter, which I gotta tell you, after uh, watching Mindhunter, I'm kind of like, wait, you're not safe from a race war? Um, but yeah, and, well, yeah. That's, that's the most troubling thing. Anytime I meet someone who's like, I really like Charles Manson, it's like, oh, because you're a racist? Wait, do, do you meet a lot of Sweet. people who are like, <laughs> I'm super into Charles Manson? You don't? I mean, yeah, I kind of, yeah. I do, yeah. And I think it's because... I mean, the horror and metal scenes. So, like, I was actually talking about this the other night. I grew up in a... I grew up without being aware that I was growing up in a sludge metal scene in southern (laughs) West Tennessee. So, uh, everybody likes Charles Manson where I'm from. It's a real time and place. I mean, I I get it because he's kind of like a human Funko Pop doll in a lot of ways. Because he's just... He's very tiny with big shiny eyes and he's just... Just excited to be alive, you know? Just a happy fella. Um, and so this movie starts out with uh, this large gang of uh, dudes hanging out in, like, the boiler room of an apartment building. And, just, and like, they knife a rat to eat, I guess? Yeah, because, well, because, like, this one guy just stabs a rat and he impales it on a knife. And he goes over to, like, the lady gang member and he's just like, yeah, look at that. It's a... It's a rat on a knife. And she's like, oh, get that get that out of my fucking face. And he's like, blah. And it's just like terrifying people. Yeah. And and then so uh, everybody in the apartment building is like, oh, man, I wish we didn't have a gang loitering in the boiler room threatening all of us. And they're like, hey, superintendent, why don't you get the gang out of the boiler room? And yeah. he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll call the police instead. Yeah, and and the thing that they use to get them to ev- to like evict the 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 squatting gang in the basement is they have drugs and guns, which I love because it's also a child's understanding of like bad guys in a building, and you gotta call the cops to come get them. Uh, and so they 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 toss this gang out of the place, and um, it's kind of a a, a gross like dirty Harry esque sort of oh you can't trust the judicial system because. All of these creeps will just get out and be back on the streets in 24 hours. Yeah, they um, literally get out of jail immediately and decide to take revenge on the tenement building that put them in jail. Ryan, yeah. can you describe their clothing? Um, I can describe their clothing. Uh, it is a Karate Kid by way of Death Wish gang. Where... Or, or I was thinking extras in the love is a battlefield uh <laughs> mixed with the street toughs in peewee's big adventure oh fuck yeah yeah with a dash of pirates of penzance <laughs> yeah especially the bald guy who's just sort of he he's like a buccaneer from he's Atlanta. got a fucking he's got that nose ring that has the chain that goes from his nose to his earring. Which I have never seen in real life, and I'm I've never met a real person pierced like that. But I can guarantee you, every time I drew street tufts as a child in my notebook, oh yeah, they had that 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 particular piercing. Which here's the thing: I have a nose ring. There is no earthly way I would connect that to my earring with, like, via a <laughs> tiny chain. I'm fucking clumsy as shit. I would snag it on something and rip it out of my nose. It would be tragic. Um, it would look like Chinatown. Uh, but so they come back and they're like, hey, how dare they kick us out for being street toughs? Do you want to murder everyone? Yeah. And then they sort of uh, just start committing crazy murder. Just Yeah, uh, but not before they sniff 
cocaine off of switchblade blades. Well, I mean, that's just about preparation. You you got to bring your coke switchblade to snort off of, because, like, what? You're going to use tiny spoons like an asshole? No, you need literal switchblades. Uh, the, the leader of the gang, his name is Chaco, and my problem is that I kept hearing it in my head being spelled C-H-O-C-O, like he's super into chocolate, like a Choco Taco. <laughs> so he's he's and, and Choco Blasted. He is Oops, Choco Blasted. all street toughs. <laughs> yeah, and he is, he refers to himself in the third person, and he's, he, he keeps making these, like, sort of grandiose deliveries, like he's fucking... Uh, Ricardo Montalban in Wrath of Khan, where he's just like, how dare they kick us out of our unsanitary basement? We're going to murder them all. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a lot. There's a couple... Now, everybody in the tenement, I gotta tell you, I, I kind of love the characters who live in the ten- in the tenement, like, not in the yes, basement. Yes, you have your... Steer- okay, so here's what's wild. Roberta Finley, in the interview as the extra on this blu-ray is like yeah i grew up in a building totally like that she's like without the murder but the people are (laughs) based off of people i know yeah it's like a ralph bakshi movie like it's this like super grody building full of just like families trying to live and hang out and um i think my favorite thing is there's this couple where um they're just having a super reasonable conversation with both of them cheating out toward the camera sitting at a table and and the guy's like, come on, I'm a junkie and you're a whore. And she's like, ah, don't say that. And it's like, and you can tell that it's both of them sort of, it's very intro to acting where, both, you know, it's like, guys, you just need to prepare a scene from something and bring it in on Monday. And it's them being, you know, sort of him being like, but I'm a junkie. And her being like, you got to stop taking that dope. And him being like, but I can't. And it's just like, great. Thanks, guys. Um, and the people in this tenement kind of they, they they have a weird sense of camaraderie i think yeah um it's it's crazy how quickly the movie um gets to a point where everyone bands together and that little old lady oh yeah is the shining star of this film because she is constantly hitting dudes in the nuts with a baseball bat you know what i here's here's the thing physical comedy uh if if it's sort of nut shot based i'm not cool i'm always here for it if it's a if it's a tiny grandma <laughs> with a green <laughs> evergreen yeah if it's a tiny lady hitting dudes in the balls with a baseball bat I will howl and clap every single time. That's and she does it a non-zero number of times. Oh, it's it's her signature move, I would say. Like also, hitting, the, hitting a dude in the balls. The um, property manager, the the super, is just garbage. He's worthless, and he's supposed yeah. to be worthless. That's kind of his thing. But the little old lady says, "Rojas, you are a chicken shit." <laughs> Yeah, which I, this old lady, mostly you just want her to be your grandma. Like, yeah, grandma baseball bat knows what's up. And so Rojas is just a vile little fuck of a dude. Like, he's just, he's awful. Uh, He uh, sort of, if you just picture like a hefty bag full of garbage juice in person form, that's the character of Rojas. Um, Yeah, he's, he's the worst. Greasy fella. Um, And so this gang starts making their way through the building uh, a scene happens that I 100% fast-forwarded through because I had a sense of where it was going. So this is one of two or three scenes that earns it the X rating. Um, yeah. The gang gang rapes a woman, and as they're on top of her, she uh, grabs a pair of scissors and shoves it into one of the guy's faces, and it's a very Fulci-style paper mache head filled with blood Mm -hmm. and squirts everywhere but then they say oh we'll show you and they put a broom up her Uh, they in they rape her with a broom and they insert it so far it kills her yeah and then that's that's how she dies and they just sort of leave her there so Um, here's the wild thing about that mm -hmm. it is shot in a strangely chaste way it's all angles it's all implication Mm -hmm. it's all like even the rape is not showing penetration it's almost like you can tell roberta finlay after having a career in pornography and also directing is like you know what i'm gonna i'm going to imply this rather than needing to show it explicitly whereas a lesser director 
would have shown it without restraint because well, they already got an X. There's nothing worse. Right. And it's already like hor- the thing itself is already horrifying and, and nasty enough without needing to like, yeah. The, the scene oh, is... And then the child witnesses all this. Yeah. And they, I don't think they really even show any nudity during, during the scene. Like it's not meant to titillate, which is good, I guess. But I, I straight it's up very did, gross. I straight up did not watch that scene. Um, uh, by, the, by the time I fast-forwarded it, I was back on Rojas and was never so happy to see that fucking awful man. Because, um, yeah. And and so, the I, I have to say this. The violence in this, a lot of it, the effects are really good. Yeah, the effects are the best part. A guy is fried with an electric bed. So, so one of the guys in the apartment named, like, Mr. Washington is, like, an ex-military specialist. And he's like, we'll make booby traps. And he wires uh, all this electricity to a bed that made as a barricade. And a guy, like, melts when he touches it. It's great. It's sort of, yeah, it briefly turns into Home Alone for a stretch, which I feel like is important. Like, there should be improvised booby traps. Um and yeah, that guy just straight up dies. Eventually, uh, the kids uh, in this in this building get in on it with just like dumping boiling water onto goons. Yeah, and, um, and you literally watch all of them die. Also, um, Chaco at one point takes his hands just covered in blood and pulls off. It's Chaco and Chula, the Chula, female yeah. street tough. It just rubs her naked breasts with blood. It's a real lady smurf situation, I feel like. She's the only lady tough uh, in this invading gang. <laughs> so they're just like... And and it's this like, I love I love it when I rub blood on my girlfriend. You know what it is? It's it's like gremlins with like, you know, we've got all kinds of crazy-ass gremlins and gremlins. So we got bat gremlin and vegetable gremlin and a woman and other crazy <laughs> things a, a person can be. Um... And so yeah, so I, he he just rubs blood all over her tits, and you're sort of like, all right, well, I guess I guess this is happening. Um, the the gang in this doesn't really have much of a plan to speak of uh, because they're uh, they're in this building, and everybody else in the building who is you know being invaded is like, all right, well, we just got to last through the night. Um, we we you know maybe get to the cops or something. Uh, everybody who tries to get out of the thing, like you watch an old lady fall to her death from a window. Um, well, like you don't watch, you don't watch it. This isn't a snuff film, but you see a dummy fall out of a window, uh, and then the gang doesn't really go after people systematically. Like they don't really have a plan. They do loiter aggressively and drum on things and fuck. Can we talk about the poor, unsuspecting John who shows up? Oh man, yeah. There's there's Everyone a guy is leaning out the window saying, "Hey, don't come in this tenement building. We're under attack." And this guy just walks in and is like, "Hey, man, I'm cool. I I just want to get up here and meet the prostitute whose husband is a heroin addict." Mister Magoo's the... just trying to get his dick wet. Yeah, and the gang is like, "No, we're gonna kill you right now," and they do. Yeah, they just they just kill the shit out of this guy. Um, this is an ugly fucking movie. Like, yeah, this there's, is... there's very little, and yet, and yet. The, like, the way the neighbors band together, it becomes very heartwarming, despite yeah. being one of the grossest things I've watched in a while. It's like Assault on Precinct 13 without the cops. Like, there's uh, one bit where, like, this older guy, his wife gets killed, and he's like, th- that actor did a really good job, like, he looks legitimately fucking heartbroken by it. Um, and yeah, like, there's, there's a camaraderie in this, like, I can't completely write off Tenement as a movie as just being, like, straight up gross shit. Because it, a lot of it is very gross shit, but it's also, like, definitely of a part with, uh, of, uh, with, like, late 70s, early 80s, sleazy, uh, violent sort of, uh, siege movies. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely of its 42nd Street time. It was also, you have to get the credit to, as like a piece of independent film, it's shot on location in New York with who I assume are a majority of untrained actors oh, yeah. who are also uh, like a really ethnically diverse cast for something made in 86. Yeah, it's, you know... 85. It- 
Yeah, it's better than it has any right to be. Like, there's there, there's something there's something about this movie that I can't totally write it off. It's a hard fucking watch. Like, this is not a movie to put on for for gigs, like at a party or something. Um, unless you're friends with the worst people in the world who are cool with, like, like this movie. Like, a lot of this movie is sort of like, you know, I liked Death Wish, but there wasn't enough violence against women. I feel, <laughs> you know, like, what if we just Jesus. like what if we just had that, but for the duration of a film. Um, but yeah, like this, I, I feel like of all the exploitation movies I've seen, this is kind of toward the top of that weird fucking list for me. Yeah, it's, it's shockingly good. So where do you want to put it on the list? All right. Well, uh, I'm looking at sort of, uh, schlock, uh, overlooked schlock movies. Let's start relatively high and and see where we are. Uh, at number 103, we have The Mutilator. Now, this is not as good as The Mutilator, because as great as the rap theme is, it ain't no fall break. No, no, fall break. With the intro music where it's just about fall break for some reason, and also it doesn't have... I feel like the kills in The Mutilator are more creative. Jesus Christ. Um, So this movie reminds me a lot of Don't Torture a Duckling. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, just the sleaze aspect of it? Just the sleaze grossness of it. But I would argue that Don't Torture a Duckling is better, too. All right, so The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires at number 128. uh, Sorry, um, this movie, Tenement, doesn't have hopping vampires, so it's automatically not as good. Exactly right, exactly right. I think Candyman at 132 is better because if we're talking about movies in Tenements, sorry, man, I gotta go with the Cabrini Green... Yeah, uh, that, that rules so much. Yeah. Um, um, the Untamed also, is that fuck alien, so it's not as good as ooh, that. Ooh, yeah. The fuck alien, is it goes a long way for me. There's no earthly way I will be dead in my grave if I put this above the fly at number 152. Yeah, um, for sure. Let's see. All right, all right. I, I think I'm it's scrolling down. It's not as good as Blade 2. No. All right, all right. Uh, not as good as Maniac Cop 2 at 200. Hmm. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think Maniac Cop Two has better uh, stunts. Oh, for sure. You get for that. Sure. Lo- you get that long shot of the guy on fire walking around. It's deeply impressive. Um, now, what about recent film, The Cleaning Lady? Okay. Speaking of ugly fucking movies, man, that's honestly I could go either way on that one. Also, weirdly tasteful ugly movies because that's a movie yeah. about child prostitution. And it's also got like, oh, we're going to blend rats and drink them, but we're not going to show it. We're just going to imply it. Yeah, which, um, and, and I hate to bring this up, but our number one movie on this list being the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you never actually see anybody die in that movie either. And that's considered like sort of grindhouse royalty in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, so between that, actually, I feel, uh, I feel good uh, about putting this right under the cleaning lady. And right above Walking Out, which is the movie where Bill Pullman gets yelled at by a bear. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, so yeah. that is our new number 203 Tenement Game of Survival. Fuck yeah. And uh, what, what was the company that gave us that DVD? Uh, that is Media Blasters slash Shriek Show. Sorry, not DVD. Blu-ray. DVD. Like, it's 2002. Honestly. Please. This is no mere digital versatile discs. <laughs> this isn't your dad's digital versatile disc. Um, so the the second movie we're talking about this week um, is a movie that uh, I have seen probably 18 million times. Um, somebody on Tumblr, uh, Anonymous, requested Freddy versus Jason. Um, yes. I it's fucking, happening. We're finally I, doing Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> now, this, this is one of those movies that I, this was the first movie I ever snuck into a theater to see when I was 16. Wonderful. Um, Mine was, was yeah. Saw. Oh, that's a good one, I feel like. Yeah, have I ever told you my Saw story? I don't think you... You're, Surely you're, no. I have. Well, it, it, I have completely forgotten if you have. Please tell me again. So we tried to get into Saw, and um, we, we tried to just buy tickets, because we went to the, the run-down theater in town that mm-hmm. didn't check IDs, except we were there with the one person that checked IDs. Um, and, and they wouldn't sell us tickets. So we bought tickets to the grudge and the showings were stacked, but we were like, Oh, we'll just go into the end of Saul and then stick around and stay for the beginning of the next showing. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we, we, you know, get our ticket, 
torn and we immediately go into Saul and see the ending of the movie. <laughs> so you were immediately you know, spoiled. the one thing that is significant about that film. That has anything to recommend it, that it has a kind of a cool twist, even if it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Right. So, so we watch the ending of that movie, and as that's going on, the ushers have like followed us in there and are checking. So we get back up and run across the hallway with our actual tickets and then watch The Grudge <laughs> with Sarah Michelle Gellar. So all you saw was the ending of Saw. All I saw originally was some man standing up and peeling a rubber mask off and and revealing it and locking a guy in a room and going, what is happening here? Holy shit. So, I remember staring at my shoes because I was like, if I don't watch it, it won't spoil me. But then I was listening to it and also looking over my shoulder for the usher and also seeing it. So yeah. <laughs> That's the best way you could possibly see the first Saw movie. I, I love that that was your experience with it. Um, see, my, my Freddy vs. Jason experience was just that we, we snuck into the theater, and this was, I was so excited about it because I was, um, when, when I was a, a, a teenager, I was, now, this movie was in development hell for literal decades. This is the Chinese democracy of horror movies. Now, like, why was that? Well, I think it's because, like, rights kept getting dropped between New Line and Paramount. Um, they, nobody could come up with a draft they liked. Uh, actors were, were, were dropping in and out. And, like, it's, for whatever reason, like, and, and this had been foreshadowed as far back as uh, Jason Goes to Hell, where uh, R Freddy's arm snakes out of the ground and drags the mask into the ground while doing a bad impersonation of Robert Englund's laugh. Um... And I was on the fucking interwebs uh, at this age, just, like, looking up drafts of the script and trading fan theories. Like, I was properly into Freddy versus Jason as a thing. So by the time it was actually in theaters, I was fucking ready. I was so excited. Um, it wasn't very good, but I love it very much. <laughs> uh, it, it is... All right, so, so Freddy versus Jason. Um, first of all, before we talk about the movie, I gotta point out... There is a draft of the script for Freddy vs. Jason that is a legal drama. It is a legal drama that focuses on, like, they bring in Jason Voorhees for killing fucking hundreds of people, and it primarily focuses on the prosecuting lawyer trying to, like, put Jason Voorhees away. You mean um, th this ambulatory corpse Jason Voorhees? <laughs> this shambling avatar of murder... Um, and I honestly, I, I, that, that script is still out there and you can find it. It's, I kind of love it as a take on the thing because like after how many versions of like, yeah, and then they're in a boxing ring in hell and Pinhead is Michael Buffer or whatever the fuck. And then somebody going, you know what we're going to do? It's a legal drama now. Fuck you. <laughs> like I, that's, that's a truly galaxy brain take and I support it. But yeah, so, uh, right out of the gate, we, we get, uh, uh, a thing with, uh, Robert Anglin as Freddy Krueger and he's wearing the sauciest little brown leather jacket in this flashback. And I love it because I feel like whenever anybody does flashbacks with Freddy Krueger, it's always like, oh, he was a janitor and kind of a goofy looking guy. This dude fucks. Like, he's got a cool little leather jacket and he's like sort of uh, Robert Englund in his 50s, you know? And so. Now, Ryan, I hate to be a buzzkill. Uh huh. But you do realize we're talking about Freddy Krueger and you use the phrase, this dude fucks. Not, well, not children canonically in this universe. Not until that terrible 2009 reboot. Wait, wait. Uh-huh. Hold the phone. Uh-huh. You're telling me that it's non-canonical until 2009? Yeah, in, in the rebooted universe. Like, and are, wait, are you familiar okay, with... Okay, then why did the parents kill him originally? This is because... where my, my knowledge of... Freddy Krueger must lapse, because I thought that was always the reason why mob justice parents killed Frederick Krueger. Well, see, as the uh, uh, see, that's a good point. What it is is that initially in the first script, uh, this is in a deleted scene where Nancy's talking to her mom about it. Uh, in the original version, Freddy was canonically and like sort of in in the text, he was a child uh, a, ch a child uh, molester. And then the problem was that, like, before they started shooting, there was a spate of child molestation cases in California. 
um, and Wes Craven because he's the, the, great... the infamous uh, satanic ritual abuse uh, cases where oh um, the bunny the yeah the with the with the bunny yeah well I mean it was that but also like just a whole bunch of it I, apparently uh, early eighties uh, just a lot of child molestation going on in California and so Wes Craven because he's a soft spoken um, J Crew wearing uh, friendly horror dad was like, what if we weren't total shit butts and we didn't capitalize on that? And so the the, the reason that the, the parents torched Freddy Krueger is that he is a child murderer. They never... Like, it's heavily implied a lot in the original series because he's, like, always doing the weird tongue thing. He's always saying creepy shit. But it's I'm never... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's always doing the tongue thing and, like, it's heavily implied, but they never actually say that he was touching kids. Just murdering them. Um, wow, uh, yeah. this has changed my outlook. It's like the scales have fallen from my eyes. <laughs> Teach the controversy, which, I mean, does make it a little less, I mean, not by much, but make it a little less weird that, like, in the 80s, during the height of, like, Freddy Mania, where kids had, like, stuffed Freddy Krueger dolls that they, like, went to bed with, that at least he's not canonically a child molester. He just murders kids, and that's yeah. He's just a child murderer. <laughs> he's just a child murderer. <laughs> you know, um, you know. And and so and so at the top of the movie, he sort of just goes like, yeah, you know, like I I was I was the Springwood slasher, and I was I was a cool guy. What killed people, and then I and then they killed me, and then I became something worse, and I started murdering kids in their dreams like an asshole, and then. Um, in a truly outstanding bit of Robert Anglin scenery uh, digestion, uh, starts yelling like, but then they forgot about me. And I don't know why I'm Kermit the Frog. And <laughs> so he's screaming about how uh, they all stopped being afraid of him because they forgot about him because of a, a concerted uh, campaign by the parents of Springwood to just like, everybody fucking forget about that dude. It's the fear that gives him his strength. And as long as nobody's thinking about that fucking guy, we're going to be okay. And so Freddy hatches a plan of like, I'm going to scrape Jason off the basement floor in hell and drop him in Springwood, Ohio. He's going to start killing kids. Everyone's going to think it's me. Everyone's going to become afraid again. And then I'll get to like show back up. Um, Quincy, is there a more murderable group of teenagers in a horror movie? I mean, Kelly, Ro Kelly Rowland literally says, kill me <laughs> and gets killed. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, she 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 drops the F slur on 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 Freddy Krueger. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a which I mean, okay, in a movie that's with... so easy to like recon retcon in your head. Yeah, because I, when because... you think of that scene, you think like, oh yeah, her body hits that tree like a sack of wet rags. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a real like wet laundry slap when her body hits that tree. But I when she drops that F slur. Uh, I mean, of course, like, we're watching a movie with, like, all manner of horrors happening, and there's, like, a child killer and whatever, but, like, that moment happens, and even at the time when I was, like, 16, in the theater, everybody was like, whoa, whoa! Nobody at any point of the way wanted to maybe cut that line out. Um, there's, I think, the best death in the movie. Um, at the top of the thing, there's this, uh, these two guys, uh, Blake and the other guy. And, uh, Blake, uh, gets, uh bisected by a folding bed um like like one does it's great uh and so what you've got lachlan monroe as a cop with like frosted tips and he's like a hunk that ate a smaller uglier hunk um and my favorite thing about this actually excuse me blake doesn't die trey gets bisected by the bed blake god of course their names are trey and blake hi 2003 um so trey gets killed by the bed and then blake later on uh, his father gets his head chopped off, and he tries defending himself from Jason's machete by holding up his own father's severed head, which, for me, is just a real highlight of this film. Um, baby Jason Ritter is in this movie, and he is adorable. There's a thing that drives me crazy about this movie, and, like, alright, so I try not to be, um, nitpicky about plot hole stuff, because, like, who cares about a lot of that stuff? The movie starts out in Springwood, Ohio, and they bring back Jason Voorhees, and he's like, whatever, stomping around, killing people. And then the teens go, I know what we'll do. We'll get in our stoner, our, our, our weed van with uh, a knocked-out Jason Voorhees who's full of, like, a Snapple bottle's worth of tranquilizers. And we will drive to Camp Crystal Lake, New Jersey. And they, like, it's like they fast travel on Skyrim. 
Like, they just... They, I don't understand how the fuck they get there. And their their entire reasoning for doing it, aside from, well, it's Freddy versus Jason, and we felt like we really wanted to be in both places somehow, is, you know, if Freddy dies, Jason is already back home, and he won't hurt anyone else now, and at least he'll have home court advantage. And, like, they're working really hard as a movie to sell you on why these idiot teens need to drive to fucking New Jersey. Um, it doesn't make any sense and it's stupid and I hate it. I, I love this movie very much. <laughs> but then they start firing all of those oxygen tanks that are stacked up next to the lake for some reason. They blow this lake the fuck up. Like it's there is an ang- <laughs> there is an angry letter from the Sierra Club in the mail, I think. Like and also side note, uh Rey Mysterio is a stunt double for Freddy in this movie. Nice. Yeah, so he's he's in the mix. Um, yeah, so they just fucking blow up a lake. Uh, I gotta tell you, I it, so it's directed by Ronnie Yu, who is a Hong Kong uh, movie director who's like really into martial arts stuff. The fight scene in this movie fucking slap. Like it's really really good, and like the fight choreography is really good. The the end bit is really upsetting, where it's just like. Uh, they're, like, Freddy and Jason are, like, locked together on this pier, and he rips Freddy's arm off, and Freddy stabs him with his own machete, and they're digging their hands into each other's bodies and yelling, and it's just like, thanks, Ronnie, you. Um, so yeah, so I, 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 this is not a good movie, and it fucking drips with 2003 on down to the Butt Rock soundtrack. Um, the soundtrack is very, very bad. It's like El Nino. Um, but, you know, as was the style of the time. And I'm fond of this movie for being, like, well, this is the best we could do with every, like, dozen drafts we got for this fucking movie. This is the best we were going to do. It's like, look, kids, we made it. Now let's, let's <laughs> you know, move you can't, on. You can't win them all. Here's your fucking Godzilla versus King Kong movie, you fucking prick children. We're going to make other movies now. Um, so, yeah. So, all right. So, where on the list? So, at 181 uh, is Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And at 194 is I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, also a very killable teen movie. Hmm. I feel like... All right, I don't think it's as good as Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, because I feel like it didn't go as big as it could have. And, and Freddy's not shit the bed insane. No, it's not shit the bed insane. Although there is a scene where a guy stabs Jason with the American flag, which I think <laughs> qualifies it as our number one movie just for that one fucking moment alone. I've seen other films that use subtlety and they're fucking cowards. Um, but Freddy's said the final nightmare. I feel like, you know, it's swinging for the fences. It's dialing. Everything as far to the right as possible and going for it. And I feel like for that, I want to put it above that. Um, all right. Which, which is worse? Or which is better, I should say. Well, you know what? Let's be let's be more positive on the show. Which is better? Interview with the Vampire at 183 or Freddy vs. Jason? Let's be real. It's Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, like, it's Christian here's, Slater here's and Antonio Banderas. tough decisions. Under Interview with the Vampire is both Wild Zero, The Devil's Nightmare, and Slaughterhouse. Oh, boy. All right. All right, I know where I'm, I, I know where I will stake stake my pin in this. I think it is not as good as Wild Zero because between a movie that drops the F slur and a movie that features Guitar Wolf yelling, uh, "Love knows no nationalities, gender, or borders," uh, I, I feel like I'm giving the the edge to Wild Zero here. And because it's um, got a built-in drinking game, where I feel like the only drinking game I can come up with off the top of my head right now for for Freddy versus Jason is every time you see a chain wallet, take a drink. So, okay, so at number 192 is Blade Trinity, where Triple H oh, is a vampire. Oh, so really we're just debating a Triple H's appearance in a movie versus Rey Mysterio's appearance as a stunt double for Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Um, I think Freddy versus Jason is better than Blade Trinity. I think Blade Trinity is awful on so many vectors that, like, it's almost kind of not even fun to watch, aside from the vampire Pomeranian. Um, yeah, you're right. It's got some... It, it starts to become joyless after a while. It does, yeah. Oh, here we go. All right. I think that Freddy vs. Jason is better than Life After Beth, because it's kind of something, at least. And I don't, uh, I don't think it's as good as Venom from 2018 at number 190. Now, what is your reasoning for Venom being better than Freddy vs. Jason? Because for movies that salivating fanboys have waited decades to see on the screen... I feel like Venom 
is it's much gayer than Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> and it has the fucking uh, it has the strength of its convictions. I feel uh, it's so, it's uh, yeah. Also, only one of those two films has Tom Hardy getting into a lobster tank. Yeah, so Freddy versus Jason can get fucked. Um, I I think yeah, Venom twenty eighteen like it's. It's not a good movie, but I enjoy. I uh, there's there's that Roger Ebert thing of you watch only... your tongue, sir. Oh no, yeah. The thing about Venom, it's the Roger Ebert quote about like the only thing I can say to recommend this film is that I enjoyed every second of it. Like <laughs> it's 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 a delight to watch because uh, Tom Hardy is he's basically like if Charlie Kelly in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia got mutant superpowers. And it's just outstanding. But, yeah, I, I feel like uh, Freddy vs. Jason is at least better than Life After Beth because I wasn't bored. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I've liked that movie a lot, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. Oh, there we go. Um, and it's Freddy vs. Jason, so come on. Well, and uh, also so our Fre- new number 191 is Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah, I feel really. I feel pretty good about that. You know what? 191 feels like the right number for Freddy versus Jason. I mean, for a list of over oh 400 now. Oh, <laughs> uh, currently on our list, we are at uh, 414 uh, horror movies that we have watched. Can we life. just talk about how 411 through 414 are the most untenable films I can imagine? Oh, 411 through 414, which is Hellraiser Revelations, Ghosts That Still Walk, Father's Day, and Night of Something Strange. Those are arguments for why we deserve to be scraped off the face of the planet like barnacles from a whale's back and thrown into space. To be fair, Necromantic is above Hellraiser Revelations, (laughs) but that one I will entertain that some people could argue it's got some quality to it. I don't know what. I I hate that I, I, I kind of go to bat for it just for... It's almost like there needed to be a movie like that, and whoever fell into the... And the people who made that movie were just doing a gross but necessary thing of like, yeah, this movie needs to exist. Um, I don't want to watch it, but it's almost like being the janitor in hell. You know, like somebody's got to scrape up those souls off the, off the floor with a squeegee. Uh, so Quincy, listen, I'm convinced yeah. there's a movie worse than Night of Something Strange, and my gauntlet is for you, dear listener to suggest it to us. So go to Tumblr.com, uh, <laughs> rankandfile.tumblr.com, and request that movie. Quincy, you are playing with fucking fire right now. <laughs> Our listeners are going... It has to be a horror movie, and it has to be something that we can and will watch. Yeah, yeah. Although, I uh, I don't know. Uh, that Glenn Danzig Veronica movie, uh, I haven't seen that yet. So and Ooh, I wonder if it's no, I don't think it is, but Cradle of Fear, the Danny Filth horror movie. Uh-huh. Uh no, I'm sorry, that's nowhere near the bottom of this list because it's a delight <laughs> because Danny Filth has a an arm sword and just Danny a blade duct taped to his hand. Danny Filth is so tiny. That makes me so fond of Danny Filth from Cradle of Filth. Like he's like five foot. He's like five foot two. God bless him. Built like a jockey. Uh, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? We are on rankandvile.com. We are on Twitter, rankandvilecast. We're on Instagram, rankandvile. We have a Letterboxd account. We have a YouTube channel where you can hear the Maniac Cop rap on our uh, horror rap tie-in theme uh, playlist. Uh, And we're probably on some... We have a TikTok that I never post (laughs) on. Um, we're, We're on Discord. We have a server with a lot of really fun fans. Yeah. Um, so and, and we've got a link to it on our Twitter. Um our, our I you know not to not to brag, but I our, our 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 Discord is pretty good. Like we've got a we've got a lot of really good folks. Um yeah, we've and got then, a lot of good folks on there. Yep. And uh, so if you if there's another movie that you want to request, if you want to knock Night of Something Strange out of the bottom spot or try to knock Texas Chainsaw Massacre out of the spot at number 1, uh, you're going to want to send those requests to rankandvilecast at gmail.com, or you're going to want to put them in our ask box uh, on Tumblr at just rank and vile. Um, barring that, I think that's all I got. You got anything else? Uh, Halloween's a coming. Yeah, it is. Later, folks. <laughs>